Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose and experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. You know, in the circle of professional development, once in a while, well, actually not once in a while, quite a while, quite frequently, whatever word we want to use, I get to meet some pretty special people around the world. And uh, not that long ago, a year or two ago, I got to meet our guest at a conference or an awards conference for Lead 500, which is run by HR.com. And uh, our guest today, his company won an award for one of the top professional developers in the world, and our CRG did as well. So uh, Secrets of Success uh, listeners, I'd like you to welcome Dr. Christopher Avery from Austin, Texas. And my understanding is he also has a couple of dogs who are being interviewed with us. So if they sort of include their voices in this uh, interview, then we know that we, we just have some special guests beyond just Christopher with us. So Christopher, thanks for being with us today. You're welcome, Ken. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yes, um, the dogs will let you know if there's a, a squirrel out the window or something that uh, that we need to be warned about. Well, part of this is that I wanted to mention the dogs just in case they say something. Is that we want to talk about lifestyle and how, you know, those of us that are in this profession is that we don't want to be in some kind of ivory tower. We still want to leave a life, live a life that's reflective of uh, who we are. So, Christopher. If you may, I mean, we, we met, and we're going to talk a lot about your book, The Responsibility Process, today. Uh, but just tell us a little bit about how you got into this space and your journey, uh, and really, uh, if we move into your expertise. So just kind of get us in the beginning on when you started to transition into this professional and personal development field. Wow. The beginning goes a long, long, long ways back. Um, so I do sort of have a signature story about this. Um, you know, I, I grew up with an executive uh, father who came home from work every day tired and sore and frustrated and uh, upset and had lifelong high blood pressure, which uh, eventually took him um, about 11 years after he retired. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I started a, a career after my bachelor's degree in um, uh, in sales and, and management. And, you know, I think during that first couple of years, I spent a lot of time thinking about my only role model for uh, being an adult and going to work was, was my dad. And I just had this question in my mind of, you know, am I going to be happy in this career path and working? And I'm kind of trying to see the next 35 years. And I got an invitation from a professor uh, from my undergraduate to, he, he said, go take your GREs. I did, and I scored very high on them. And then he said, did you see the scores? And I actually said no, because I hadn't yet. And he said, pack your bags, come back here to uh, get your master's degree, and if you'd like, we'll plot a course for your doctorate. And I took the opportunity to go back to school with an interest in studying people's lives at work. How do we, how do we both uh, live a life uh, and earn a living? So 
that's my story. Uh, so I was one of those pesky graduate students. I don't know if, if you were one of these who had real life experience. So we kept, you know, raising the red flag or what we might call the BS flag in class when professors are espousing theory and we say, wait a minute, I've been there. It doesn't exactly work like that. Um, and, uh, and I eventually did uh, finish my PhD. And uh, you ask about transitioning. Um, the thing that I did was while I was still in my PhD program, I worked for another consulting firm for five years. And out of that work, I eventually found my own niche and spun out of that firm and started my own company called PartnerWorks. Um, PartnerWorks is spelled W-E-R-K-S at the end as if it was a German word. Um, so that's how it all started. Oh, awesome. Now, how long have you been sort of you're owning your own company now, Christopher? Wow, 25 years. 25. So about the same time. And yes, when I... Uh, the, the beauty I had for my executive MBA before I did my doctorate was it was a adult course. Everybody there had experience, had been in the workforce a minimum of 10 years, and the professors were like that. They were adjunct. And so it was beautiful versus, like you said, uh, not to play sort of the elite schools, but some of these MBA grads that come out <clears throat> don't really have a lot of practical experience. So, yeah, I get that. And you can have some fun with it, too, and say, whoa. Is that really practical? So now that you've uh, been in this space for a little while, what is your primary focus? You were talking about trying to work but also live a life. What do you mean by that? Well, I see, I see a huge number of people in my work who feel trapped uh, in lives that uh, they don't enjoy and, and don't think that they can get out of. Um, they're living with a, a mindset that I call obligation um, uh, or, or other um, mental states. And, um, I, you know, I, I think that there's an opportunity to have plenty of uh, joy in a, in a real life at work, and I don't think it's just up to employers to create that. I don't think that empowerment or engagement or happiness or joy is 100% the responsibility of the employer. Uh, I think it starts with ourselves. Uh, and so uh, that's really my pursuit today is helping individuals um, see and find that and uh, pursue their own uh, joy as well as uh, greatness as a contributor to society and a wage earner. And well, I agree 100%, and hence the book, The Responsibility Process, meaning, you know, take responsibility for your condition. I recall we were in Dallas together for that conference, and Marshall Goldsmith was talking about, you know, as the number one coach, he says, here we have, we're always talking about employee engagement, all these programs, one employee's engaged, one's not, even though they went to the same program, what's the difference? Somebody took personal responsibility to respond and to own their space. So you went in and you've now written this book, Christopher, and you know there's a model here, and we'll give them the URL where they could download that poster from you uh, so that they can see it and have it up there. But you have the word responsibility and then align, and then obligation, shame, justify, lay blame, and denial, and then there, on the side is the word quit. So first of all, let's just kind of start off in the way that works for you because this is your work is just help us to understand what does the word responsibility mean, and then you talk about different processes or steps. Sure. 
Well, it might be helpful first if, if someone's listening to this, what Ken went through there was a stack of words, and, from, and let me reiterate the stack from the bottom so you can envision it or scratch it down on a piece of paper. From the bottom, the stack of words is denial, and then above that, lay blame, and then above that, justify, and then shame, and then obligation, and then a line above obligation and responsibility, and then out to the right next to obligation and shame, the word quit. And so Ken, actually, a, a secret of, of this model is that those are all words in use that define responsibility. So when we say it was his fault, it was his responsibility, we are laying blame. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, you know, when we say, you know, blame me, I'm the dummy, I'm responsible, we are in a mental state of shame. So all of those words are, are definitions and use of responsibility. Uh, and I spend a fair amount of time in the book, uh, you know, looking at how we use the word responsibility. And it means everything in the world to everybody. Uh, so the word is quite ambiguous. And what this model does is it says, let's get a little bit more precise about our understanding of the language that we're using and the thoughts that we're having. And let's redefine the word responsibility really to mean owning our power and ability to make choices, uh, to be powerful or not powerful, to be free or not free, uh, and as you said, to respond to our situation. So let's go through some of those when we think about it is, you know, I was just in an event in Philadelphia, a different group, Christopher, where Jack Canfield, you know, Mr. Chicken Soup, 500 million books later, was just talking about the same word. He says, the most important thing for us to get to the next level in our life is to take responsibility. So talk to us a little bit about what does it mean, you know, you have choices, so let's stay with that. I might get ahead of myself here, but uh, what do you mean by that? Do we really have choices? I mean, I'm stuck in this job. I really, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you because I know you have a program online that people can take to learn this and be free. Uh, but I say, you know what, this is the only job here. I, I don't really have a choice, and I hate this job. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yes, we really do have choices. And the best way for me to explain it is not to argue with you that you have choices, but to tell you about these stages uh, in the model. So this is not just kind of an armchair model of cool words. Uh, I'm actually part of a, a team, and the team is, is not university professors, although we have, um, we have research credentials. But over the last more than 25 years, I, I joined this team uh, 24 years ago, and they were already at it for a while, is they were taking their people who are coaches who were taking copious notes uh, of their clients complaining about why they can't get what they want or why they don't have what they want, why they're frustrated. And they actually started uh, scribbling down, you know, words like blame and excuse and, and self-blame, which we would call shame, uh, and trapped uh, or burdened, which we would call obligation. Uh, and the the research literature has done a good job of letting us know that we seem to have 
both a, a defensive uh, or coping mind uh, as well as a creative or resourceful mind. For instance, the work of Carol Dweck comes to mind. But there's been many other psychologists who've written about having both a, a generative or creative part of our mind and, and a part of our mind that's more uh, defensive or, or resistant. Mm-hmm. And, and so what this model shows is that when people, when, when something goes wrong, when we have the least bit of anxiety, you know, a car stops short in front of us or somebody says something that we don't like and we, we have a little ang- anxiousness or upset, it shows that, that our mind tries to help us deal with it by offering us what I call these coping states. And, and they're actually in order. But it seems like uh, that the first answer that we're given when we have some frustration is that, the, that it's an external cause, that he did it or she did it. So that's what we call lay blame. Uh, and in, in that position, in, in the cause and effect diagram, uh, we're at the position of effect and the cause is out there. So, you know, we're all pretty familiar that for, for decades, psychologists have told us that if we're in this mental state, we're in the victim state, and there's, we have no power there because we're giving our power away. Um, so we're actually... I talk about it, Christopher, in my previous podcast. I use the word that Scott Peck used, which was character disorder, uh-huh. where they go and they blame everybody else. I mean, his work right. from 30 years ago, and it's not, right. it's not in my space. Yep. So we agree 100% on your position there. Absolutely. And so I could go through each one of the positions, but for right now, let me just say that what we've noticed is that if, if we accept the answer that our mind hands us, which is very much an unconscious response, um, then we stay there and and we talk about it. So we talk about our problems rather than do something about them, rather than take ownership. If we don't accept the answer, you know, if 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 Ken thinks, you know, darn, it's Christopher's fault. This podcast is going right down the tube. If you accept that answer, you act on it. If you don't accept it, what's interesting is that your mind graduates up to the next level. Uh, it seems, in this model. And so then you would come up with a justifier and excuse, which is instead of blaming a, an entity, you blame a set of circumstances. Um, and if you, uh, if you accept that answer that your mind gives you, you stay stuck there. And if you don't accept it, you graduate up to the next level, which looks like beating yourself up. You know, I'm a dummy. I'm adult. I'm the one who did this. Oh, I could have been uh, a better host. I should have asked that question um, yeah. and then we could have progressed through, well, man, Christopher doesn't have what it takes to be a good guest, or, <laughs> oh, he's tired, he was just sick, or, well, I didn't really lead him or, or be a good host or, for him. So that would be yeah. a progression. Yep, and, and okay. if you decide, you know what, it's not worth beating myself up over this, then what our research shows is that your next thought will be one of being trapped or burdened. Say, oh, well, i got another 45 minutes uh, to continue this interview, I'm just going to tough it out. Um, <laughs> or I'm just going to say, well, we've got to shorten this. We're done in two minutes, Christopher. <laughs> that would <laughs> so, be taking responsibility. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I'm interested. So, I mean, that word is so interesting, even this evening. So, I mean, this recording will come out later, but tonight after we finish this recording, I'm going to speak to a bunch of millennials about how they make choices in their lives. 
And so it's, it's such an interesting word that you have around obligation is trapped. So share with us a little bit more around that whole space in the research and, and what you know about that. Certainly. So um, one of my advanced students would first say, let's not confuse the fact that we have a commitment that we're going to keep with how we feel about the commitment. So each of these words describes a, a feeling state, a mental state, and we've chosen the words in English that we think really capture the essence of what the feeling is. Mm. And, and the feeling in the state of obligation is have to, don't want to. Right? Um, so the feeling is being trapped or burdened. So you know, think about the, the person that is uh, 16 years from retirement and uh, every hour they know exactly how many years, months, weeks, days, and hours until retirement. Uh, and they frequently will tell you. Um, mm. You know, very likely that that person is living in a state of obligation. Um, and they're, they're blaming. So in, in obligation, we, we actually have resentment towards whoever or whatever it is that we think has us trapped. So, you know, it could be the mortgage. It could be the job. It could be the manager. It could be the spouse. Um, but what I've found is that um, the, the professional population, the people who are smart and so-called responsible people who've been raised to be responsible, what I've found is that we spend a lot of time in those positions of shame and obligation and quit. Uh, and uh, we're pretty good at recognizing and getting off of those lower victim states of blame and justify. Um, but we've actually been taught <laughs> and reinforced through our whole lives uh, for uh, beating ourselves up for making a mistake. That's called, oh, good boy, he's taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, so so that, that maps to shame. Uh, and it's, you know, no wonder that we have such a, a right population for studying shame and the, the work of Brene Brown. I was just going to mm -hmm. say her name. I've met her in person, right? So, I mean, she yeah. really has thrust on the, on the stage the last five or six or seven years in that space. Excellent work. Absolutely. Um, now, now, one of the words, and sorry, um, Christopher, is that ahead. We, we haven't really delved into this quit, but you've got quit beside this item here. Explain where does the quit come into your model and your, in, in this progressive state? What sure. does that mean in terms of here? Yeah, it means mentally giving up. Um, it means parking your, your wants and wishes and, and inspirations because you think you can't have them. Um, <clears throat> so... You know, the, the language, today's language, and you might be able to use this uh, this evening with millennials unless they're, they're over this one, you know, the word whatever, whatever, um, kind of refers to, uh, you know, sort of giving up on, on trying to press something uh, or care about something. So what we've noticed is that um, if, if we're, in that mental state of shame or obligation, and we don't know how to 
we don't know how to refuse to buy the answer our mind is handing us so that we graduate to the next level. In other words, if we're, if we're in obligation, the way to get out of obligation is to refuse to be trapped, to, just, to say to ourselves, listen, I know there's a place in my mind available to me which is called the mental state of responsibility. And I know in that mental state that my uh, resources of my mind, my, my ability to, to think in complex reasoning pathways is unlimited. Um, but to get there, I have to quit buying the fact that I'm trapped. So you asked me earlier about the guy who's trapped in the dumb job. And I told you I, I wasn't going to argue that he's not trapped. What I'm going to tell you is that he will stay that way as long as he is in that mental state. And when he decides to refuse to be trapped, then his mind opens up more resources uh, to him where he can actually take ownership and see choices that he couldn't see before. So in shame and quit, we experience sometimes uh, even greater angst. And if we don't know how to get the lesson, if we don't know how to grow, can, then we need an escape valve. And so quit is the mental state of, of parking it, of giving up, because uh, it's just too painful to focus on it. Um, Would you uh, categorize the word indifference as in that space of quit, right up there with whatever? Um, maybe, but, but what we know is in, in, in quit is that that thing that you want that you're not getting is still over there winking at you every now and then. You know, so, um, you know, the, the person that, that gave up their dream career of, of being an actor or musician or a dancer because they were told it wasn't practical and so they went and became a lawyer or an accountant and, you know, 10 years later, 20 years later, woke up and said, what the heck am I doing in this job? I've always wanted to be, a, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, sometimes I'll ask an audience, you know, how many of you uh, have a, a, a dream job or, or a, you know, dream vacation or, or something else that you've given up on uh, because it just wasn't practical, but it's, still there winking at you every now and then saying, hey, remember me? You know, and all the hands go up. We, we all have some of that. Mm. So you know, I, it's interesting, I, sorry, Christopher, is that, you know, my work on my book, The Quest for Purpose, really, I mean, part of the saddest state, which is all your works about, I, I sense anyways, is, is to realize my potential. I need to be tapped into what that dream is. And a lot of people have just, because of your, your great insights in this model, have simply, for whatever reason, given up on it and not moved into what's possible. So, you know, we'll transition there in a minute. But sorry, I interrupted you, but finish your thought there, please. Well, actually, I'll, let me jump on your thought there. So um, one of the other things that's important here for your listeners to understand, and it's, it's clear in the book, is that there's a vast difference between being a responsible person and, and practicing responsibility or, or taking responsibility. So I do not see responsibility as my character trait or whether I'm a good person or not. Uh, I see responsibility as how I grow and overcome the things that I see as uh, upsetting uh, or obstacles uh, or frustrate me 
And every time I do, I increase my degrees of freedom uh, and my power to do things in this world, and and I increase uh, my ability to make choices. So for me, it's not so much fitting in and being good in society. It's 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 how we grow. Um, okay, great. You know, and that's yeah. a perfect transition. So we've talked about. I mean, the bottom one, which was denial, lay blame, justify shame, obligation, that then can lead into me sort of emotionally, mentally uh, quitting. So now I'm the listener here, uh, Christopher. What's, what are the steps that I can take, which you outline in your book, and they can get the book or even go take your online course, on what, what do you teach me now as far as taking this responsibility? And that I love your definition of saying, being a responsible dif- uh, person is different than taking responsibility in terms of my ability to kind of grow and realize my purpose. So help us through as best you can in the next uh, 10 minutes or so that we have left in the show to as a, as a roadmap for me to consider what do I need to do to go and realize and get my power back. Yeah, excellent. So there's three keys to unlocking uh, and accessing and uh, this responsibility process. So um, the keys are uh, intention, awareness, and confront, which are mental powers we all already have and we can develop them. So let me set it up this way, Ken. The first is decide whether or not you think the responsibility process is is. I, I say this, decide if you think you've got one of these things happening in your head. You know, a lot of people say, gosh, Christopher, you just, you just climbed into my head and, and perfectly described my thoughts with the responsibility process. Mm-hmm. And that's because, you know, if, if things go wrong many times a day and every time something goes wrong, we feel a little anxious or upset. And every time that happens, it triggers the responsibility process. Then we are all very aware uh, of these thoughts uh, and, and actions. So the, the first thing to do is to just get better and better at understanding um, that model. But the real, the real activities are to exercise your power of intention, which is your ability to state what you intend to experience or intend to have happen uh, or what you want. Uh, and so that, that builds your power of intention. And we assign uh, a first, a kind of a first order intention uh, that's very specific, and that is that every time I have an upset, I'm going to get myself to the mental position of responsibility because that's the only place where I can eliminate the upset. So... Explain that a little bit more. I, one of the things we teach here is what we call the, our word is suspending, meaning, um, do you know Dr. David Burns' work, Feeling Good? I'm aware of it, yes. Okay, so basically saying that, you know, if somebody's irritated, frustrated, you are 100% responsible for that irritation or that frustration. So take us through how I might do what you just said there. So are you saying if somebody else is irritated that I'm responsible? Or if I'm irritated or if I'm upset. So first of all, are we talking about first person or or third person here? I'm I'm a little... little Well, I'm talking about first person. So if I'm going to have this intention, 
and you're you're talking to my listeners, and now you're giving them this this insight about what to do about that. Okay. So if so, what Dr. Burns teaches is if if I'm upset, I'm the one who gets to own that. Is what that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yes. Well, I agree uh, because for us, the anatomy of a problem. Uh, is that you're in motion towards something, even if it's just to try and get a cup of coffee, uh, and then you get stopped for whatever reason from having that. Uh, it spills down the front of you. And at that moment, uh, if you put your hands together as a force counterforce, so you're in motion with your, with your left fist, and, and you meet it with your right fist as a counter motion, then what you have is a classic um, uh, force field diagram. And what we know about that is that we can't just push harder. We have to actually uh, eliminate the, the counter force. But, but what's happening in your mind when you're upset is a conflict between what you want and what you have. Mm. Uh, and what that means is, is where I would so much agree with Burns' work is that that conflict is not out there. That conflict is in here. So the work to, re- to resolve it is not out there, but, but in here. Um, and that's why getting to the mental state of responsibility is the only place where we can make that, that upset or feeling go away is by seeing our role in doing something about it or our role in owning it or redefining it or examining our own beliefs or assumptions about it uh, until we can find um, the new truth that frees us from that upset or or angst. Does that help? Absolutely. And this, of course, is where the work starts. (laughs) The effort, the engagement. I mean, the word intentional applies to all of this as far as being able to um, actually achieve intention. It is. Yes. So uh, the second second, uh, key is awareness. And there's so much written about awareness but generally developing our, our awareness of self. And um, the very specific awareness that we practice is getting to know ourselves better when we're in each of these mental states. So if I can catch myself in blame, um, which I do frequently because just because I've studied this model for 20-some years, I'm not immune to it. It's still in me. And I still have things go wrong and I still get upset and my mind goes to blame. So it's not whether or not I do that, it's how quickly can I catch it? How quickly can I be aware of it? And if I have an intention to operate from responsibility, then I will get off of blame immediately. Uh, and so on, right on up. So the, the, the game is developing one's practice of catching oneself and, and moving up the, uh, the responsibility process to where we can think more clearly. And in order to do that, the third key is confront, which really means to face ourselves, to, to be with ourselves and to examine our thoughts and our beliefs and our assumptions and our insights until we see a new truth that dissolves all the problem for us and uh, allows us to free ourselves from that angst or upset and, and move along. Can you give me an example, uh, a concrete example of the confront component of this? You know, and yeah, that maybe somebody you worked with, or uh, that I can I can ground the listeners on on your model with that. Yeah, really good question. Um, I will give 
I will give an example. Um, what we what we say is to see things as they are, uh, instead of uh, as we uh, as we assume they are or, or hold them to be. So, I think an example, a really good example I use is a, a fellow I was working with who who was confiding in me that he had a, a an issue that his parents would not move out of his house. They would not move out of his house. They would not move out of his house. And, the backstory was that um, his parents had both had some health problems and temporarily moved out of their own house. And, and of all of his siblings, he was in the best position to take them in for a while. Uh, and, and now they were better, and he wanted them to move out. And, you know, as I poked and prodded, what I finally found out and he realized was that this was simply an expectation that he had, and he hadn't talked to them about it. He hadn't asked for what he want, wanted. Um, and, he, and he didn't think he should have to ask for what he wanted. And when he had that, realize, that realization, what, what happens when you find this new truth in your mind, and I know that you know this, is you know, the energy that it releases in you is so freeing. His head actually rocked back and hit the wall behind him when he had the realization that he could take ownership for this situation by merely having a conversation with his parents about maybe it's time for them to move back home. Interesting. Um, you know, it seems obvious to us, as you tell the story here now, that that awareness or confronting of, you know, if you want them to move out, you might want to talk to them about it. Isn't it interesting yeah. that even something... So, as I use the word already, obvious, we would miss it. Uh, what is causing some people to be, I think, um, maybe the word blind or, or not see this sort of something that's right in front of them? What, what's your research showing, or what's, uh, what are some of the contributing factors where, well, you know, I, I think I should chat with my parents about leaving if I want them to go? Um, wow. You know, you. This may be one for you to uh, help answer as well. I, I just simply call it programming. You know, it's just bugs in our system, uh, our our expectations or uh, limiting beliefs that we have that are in the way of us seeing what might be obvious to others. Uh, and it's true for all of us. It doesn't matter who we are. Does it? Does it? Can. We, we all have things that we're not seeing for ourselves that others see, don't we? Absolutely. It was interesting. I was listening to a podcast even yesterday, Christopher, and, this, and, and the reason I mentioned that, it links back to this. This person was really talk about um, and, uh, critiquing somebody's performance and behavior is fine. Judging somebody is not. And here's how he defined it, which I thought was brilliant, and I had heard, heard this way before is if I think I know your why for what you did, Christopher, then I'm judging you. Yeah. And that right away is a dysfunctional negative energy piece. So example is, let's say my son sleeps in and I say, well, you're lazy. You can't know what I thought and my motivations inside. I just might have been tired because I stayed up late. And you slept in, which is the behavior, but that's all I can say. So part of this is that people believe, and we have a judgmental society now, as you know, with this online kind of stuff. 
is that we all think we know the other person's why, but nobody can know that except for myself. Yeah. In this kind of projecting, you know, my parents should be thinking about moving out. Well, I never said anything to them. So I'm thinking about their why, that the reason they're not saying is they want to kind of stay and live off of me. I'm, I'm just making some assumptions here as part of the story. But the reality is we don't even know. We Correct. just don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. I had um, another quick story. Uh, I was also helping uh, a guy who was an excellent, excellent manager um, who I think was underemployed at the time um, in his role as a second-line manager uh, in a utility. Um, and he told me he was bored and read my book for a second time, my first book, and, and was running laps around uh, everybody else. And, and he said he did have one problem, and that was that he had one guy that would not take accountability, would not take accountability, would not take accountability. And again... I asked him if we could poke and and see because we knew that the problem was not the other guy. The problem was that this was the upset that, that this manager had and the place to solve it was in there and not out, out there. In here, not out there. And finally, what he came to conclusion and slapped himself on the head, you know, the V8 slap on the head, was that he had never actually held the guy accountable. Um, and... You know, sometimes accountability is about the the holding to account. Mm. Uh, and so and he was assuming were, it. Oh, he I, was frustrated over it, but really had not taken action on it. Had not done his job as a manager. Yes. As, as um, far as that process. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's interesting. We we get into so much trouble when we when we assume. I mean, and some of your work here really links to you know one of the number one treads in coaching right now, which is mindfulness, which is you know linking to this intention awareness and uh, confronting all sort of in a in a package of uh, am I even paying attention to you know what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling at this moment, and where did that come from? Uh, now, Christopher, to kind of wrap up the show, and then we'll make sure that everybody finds out how to get a hold of you, is what would be some last or sort of tips for the listeners and say, so, okay, I want to take responsibility. What would be some coaching points that you could share with us to kind of wrap this up today? Yeah, I would say thank you, Ken, very much. So um, here's something I'm focused on today in my work is uh, so many people are – are awestruck and inspired when they first learn about the responsibility process. But the percentage of those people that actually put it to work to make improvements in their lives is, is so tiny. And the difference is there's a, a huge, huge difference between the knowledge of the process and actually developing one's own practice. And so I would say that uh, if somebody wants to put this to use, number one is... Uh, hopefully you have not texted or, or called that person that's very dear to you and said, honey, I now know what's wrong with you. You're stuck in Justify. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the main principle here is this model only works when self-applied. It's a, it's a model for self-leadership. It's not a model for judging or managing or controlling or labeling others. Mm. And, and for self-application, I would suggest that you simply start 
practicing and start practicing small. Um, find the little things that frustrate us, our little labelings, our little justifies, uh, and learn how to simply let those go uh, and admit to yourself that, um, that blaming is a choice and that you're putting power in the hands of the other and you want to take that back um, by getting off of that. Uh, carry a uh, carry a copy of the responsibility process. There's a poster that you can download from ChristopherAvery.com. Just go to the resources section or just type in ChristopherAvery.com forward slash poster. And you can download a, a PDF poster of the responsibility process in I think we have 27 languages now including Klingon. Uh, <laughs> Klingon. Klingon, well, yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry I have to stop you there so I don't miss this, but I was just going to mention Star Wars, not Star Trek, and Yoda and said, uh, you know, what was his thing? Do, don't try. Right. So yeah. this idea of knowledge and um, the responsibility model, that's not going to help us unless we do something about it. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's practicing. Cling so on. Today, I love that. I, yeah, today, 20-some 20, 20 years later, today... I say that responsibility isn't, isn't what I am or responsible isn't who I am. It's what I practice, and I get to practice all day long because things go wrong all day long. Mm. And, um, and, and so, you know, get a copy of the poster and hang it up uh, on your bathroom mirror, on your refrigerator, um, uh, on your wall at work, uh, wherever. Uh, and then... Make a little card that you put in your pocket, a little index card, and write one of the words on it, like labeling or justify or shame, and play what we call a, a catch sooner game, which is as you go out throughout the day, if you can catch yourself using the language of, of that position or, or thinking that word, whether it's labeling or justify or shame or obligation, then uh, you know, give yourself a, a, a mark uh, on the card, and if you catch it after it already got out, like if, if you said something and then you caught it, give, your, give yourself a mark um, on a second column. So divide the card into two columns. And at the end of the day, give yourself, you know, 100 points for every mark on the left where you caught it, and give yourself 10 points for every mark on the right where it got out first. And you might say, well, why, why do you get marks for actually acting on it? Well, the mark is for being aware of it. And the more we build awareness of it, the more we catch it before it gets out. And that's the real secret. Uh, mm. And people who've told me that they've you know, used an index card in their pocket throughout the day and, and done it for a couple of weeks on all these different words, that it changed their awareness uh, dramatically. Um, well, well, thank many... you for that. And so that download is ChristopherAvery.com slash poster. You also have uh, an online course where people can actually go through this over a period of time. Is that a different website that they can look at as far as how they it might is. get a hold of you, Christopher, or to look at the it, program outline? Yeah, it is. And I'm going to give you a, a URL that is a subdomain. So, so listen carefully. It's the dot leadership gift all one word, dot com. So the dot leadership gift dot com. And, and that's the site of the Leadership Gift Program. And the Leadership Gift Program is um, 
a community of people from all over the world that are studying the responsibility process together as leaders and coaches uh, and supporting each other in building their own practice. Uh, and every now and then I will take a group through the eight core modules, uh, which we are getting ready to do starting March 3rd. So if you're interested and you check that out and decide to join us, Ken, would it be okay if I gave your listeners a promo code they could use? Sure, absolutely. Okay. So if you use a promo code GROW, G-R-O-W, at checkout, you can save uh, $50 off the first month or $100 off the first year, depending whether you do an annual or, or a yearly uh, membership. Um, and that's a, that's a – well, basically most people who go through the program uh, say that it's life-changing. So I'll just leave it at that. Well, you're getting your power back. Christopher, and, and you know I get that, I understand that, and um, and the people that are listening to the show, most of them do as well, uh, and we're all on this journey of development together. Uh, you and I both know we don't have it together completely. We're just work in progress, like everybody else. So yeah, I say, uh, I, I, I Ken, if you really had it all that together, you would have buzzed off the planet by now. Yeah, I suspect, and uh, maybe I have my Klingon friends to thank for that. I mean, I'm a Trekkie, so you got me distracted there for sure, Christopher, on that. Uh, you know, I do appreciate you being here with us, uh, your book, if they want to look online to get it, The Responsibility Process, and lead and uh, live and lead with power, you know, unlocking it. So that's awesome. I mean, I just want to encourage or encourage everybody to uh, you know reach out to Christopher as something that benefits them. Uh, thanks, Christopher, for being on the show. Stay with us here for a bit, uh, but we sure appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Ken. I, I love what you're doing for your listeners. Oh, thank you. Well, secrets of success, listeners. You know, we again we always say that we have special guests, and Christopher is no exception to that. Again, the responsibility process, and so look that up, find out more. We'll make sure that the URLs and the uh, promotion codes are in the email that go out to you as far as re uh, listening to it. You know, as we say each time, if you like what we're doing, if you're appreciating the content, then please share it, pass it on, let other people know as we grow our community and momentum our tribe around the Secrets of Success podcast. And I, as always, I thank you for giving uh, and sharing with us the most valuable thing that you have, and that's your time. And in the meantime, just have a great day. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Key. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.